Welcome to Gateway Podcasts. We hope you enjoy the following recording from Gateway Church Doncaster in the United Kingdom. For more podcasts and information about Gateway Church, please visit our website, gatewaychurchdoncaster.org.uk. Thank you for listening. Before you get too settled, I don't think God's finished yet this morning. But I think what I'm talking about this morning is wholly in keeping with what's just been going on. And I think perhaps even that was in preparation for what I want to talk about this morning. Because, you know, seed takes best in well-watered soil. And so if you've been well-watered, the seed of the Word of God might well land and take root this morning. And I pray it does, because I think the message this morning is a positive one for everyone. Over the past few months, we've been preaching through the values that define who we are as a church together. And particularly over the last couple of weeks, we've highlighted how those values come through in our leadership style and structure. And this week, as we continue that series, we turn our attention to another important aspect of the church. It's members. You know, it's often said that the church is the only organisation that exists for the main benefit of its non-members. And that, to some degree, is true. Certainly, it should be, if we are the outward-looking, gospel-preaching, community-reaching fellowship that we are intended to be. But uh, throughout Scripture... We find words and subjects that relate to the building up and the maturing of the body. For example, in Ephesians 4 we read, He gave apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors and teachers to equip the saints for the work of ministry, for building up the body of Christ until we all attain to the unity of the faith and the knowledge of the Son of God, to mature manhood, to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ. In fact, it is our very mandate. Because when you look at the Great Commission, it doesn't in fact tell us to go and make converts. What it says is it commands us, go therefore, make disciples of all nations, baptising them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to observe all I have commanded you. Discipleship. Discipleship doesn't end at the point of conversion. Rather, it continues. It continues until we bring people to a point of maturity where they are equipped to serve and to build up the body further. And so one of our values reflects that biblical principle. 
We want to be a church whose individual members are equipped for their role of service within the church and the community, including the release and training of those called to translocal ministry. You know, we live in a world where in the news from time to time, in fact regularly, we hear that this species or that animal is in danger of extinction. Tigers, pandas, turtles, elephants, rhinos, dolphins and apes all feature on the endangered animal list. But there's one organisation that has always been just one generation away from extinction. And it never makes it onto that list. Occasionally it makes the news as numbers decline, or as one dies here or there. But strangely, the new births and the growth in numbers are rarely celebrated. But however big numbers become, it's always going to be one generation away from extinction. And it's the church. Right from the very start, Jesus' mission depended upon him equipping disciples to continue what he had begun. And today, he continues that mission through his body, his community, the church. But the fact of the matter is that the continued existence of the church is always dependent on one generation's ability to pass the gospel on faithfully to the next. Back in the days of Paul, the apostolic response to that mandate was to go and make disciples of the nations. And he did that by multiplying churches, where believers were equipped to continue his mission. The result was one Jerusalem church expanding into thousands of churches encompassing most of the known world at that time in quite a short period of time. And we are part of a family of churches that is committed wholeheartedly to church planting. And so that concept ought to be familiar with us. Because of our experience in church planting, we know firsthand some of the challenges that Paul faced as he and the other apostles pioneered the early church. Now admittedly, we haven't seen shipwrecks, we haven't been flogged, but some of our brothers have been shot in Asia, have been persecuted in the Middle East, or have lived through the earthquakes in the Pacific Rim. And now, just like then, leadership is crucial for the advancement of the kingdom. The importance of it in the local church was that it had to be the incubator for developing spiritual leadership. The fact that the early church had to do that can't be overstated. Moena and I know personally that if it hadn't been for one of the churches that we were at in Bedford for four years, we would not have come church planting. Being part of that church, the smallest of the four in the town, prepared us in a way that being part of one of the churches that was far larger never did. 
And if we're wanting to see a church built where disciples are passionate followers of Jesus, we need to make sure we're a church with a sound theological and biblical worldview. If we're going to fulfil that mission of kingdom expansion, of restoring the church, then equipping and training members, particularly in leadership, has to be a priority. Church-based training fulfils the biblical mandate for us to equip and empower our own people and make them into a movement that impacts the community and the world. Now in order to do that, we have to build the right kind of culture in the church. And we need to do this quite purposely. So what is this culture? What is it that we need to cultivate? Firstly, it's a culture where we all know and value our identity in Christ. Until we really understand what it means to be sons and heirs, until we can look in the mirror and say honestly that we know we are fearfully and wonderfully made and are the object of our creator's desire, then we've got a long way to go. Negative feelings about ourselves and about our abilities, which are contrary to scripture, will always hold us back. We need to embrace the truth. <coughs> In God's will, nothing is impossible. That was something the angel had to tell Mary before she conceived Jesus. He said to her, for nothing is impossible with God. Or as Paul puts it, when he writes to the church in Philippi, I can do all things through him who strengthens me. And it's in that context that Paul later writes to Timothy, the, the saying is trustworthy. If anyone aspires to the office of overseer, he desires a noble task. Rather than counting ourselves out, rather than making excuses for why we can't fulfil God's purposes for our lives, we need to be counting ourselves in. We need to be aspiring to everything that he has planned for us. That is how we find fulfilment in life. We need to know and value our identity in Christ. And then secondly, we need to be building on that to create a culture where spurring one another on in this area is the norm. Paul encouraged Timothy... He said, for this reason I remind you to fan into flame the gift of God, which is in you through the laying on of my hands. For God gave us a spirit, not of fear, but of power and love and self-control. God may give us gifts, but we have the responsibility 
for using them, to grow in their use, to use them maturely. We can help each other. We can help each other by doing all those things in Scripture that we call the one another's. Because Scripture tells us to encourage one another, to build one another up, to spur one another on, to bear with one another. I mean, let me ask the question, when did you last do that? When did you last encourage someone in the use of their gifting? It goes on. It tells us to instruct one another and to teach one another. Have we been fulfilling our part in fanning the flame in others? And it then says, edify one another, serve one another and honour one another. Is that how we are with each other in this area? Or do we rather strive to build up and reach our own place? That is the culture we must be building. One where people are aware of their potential and are encouraged and embraced to go for it. We don't want to become a one-man bottleneck In our dealings with each other, they need to be characterised by grace. Looking out for each other and seeing the potential rather than the faults. We need to recognise that the best learning often comes through making mistakes. We need to be quick to look past them. Although that doesn't mean that the issues aren't discussed and learnt from for the future. But they mustn't get in the way. In releasing people in this way, we forgot to be mindful of the cost. There's always a risk when you let someone do something new. That puts us on a different path to some other church groups. Because as Rick Warren states in one of his books, an inflated view of excellence will never lead you to trust ministry to people who seem ordinary. To release people into their gifting requires us to sacrifice professionalism. To tear down the idol of excellence that can so easily dominate our church life when the desire to do things well goes a step too far. Releasing new preachers, for example, brings about a learning curve for them. Having new people anchoring our meetings or leading worship can cause some uneasy moments. Even this morning, for a while, when the guitar was in the wrong key, there was an uneasy moment. We need to be accommodating and accepting of that. Because I would rather have that than be in a church that fails to release and equip its members. I'm not looking for a professional image. Although I think it's great when we do things to the glory of God. When we look at Ephesians 4, which talks about the gifts of the ministries that the ascended Christ gave to his church, it's clear that that's how leadership is meant to function. 
Because it says, he gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the pastors and teachers to equip the saints for works of ministry, for the building up of the body of Christ. One of the main roles of leadership has to be to build up, to equip and to release the saints. Now just remind me, who are the saints? We are. It's just like Paul told Timothy. You then, my child, be strengthened by the grace that is in Christ Jesus. And what you have heard from me in the presence of many witnesses, entrust to faithful men who will be able to teach others also. We need to be passing these things on to others who would equip even more. The effectiveness of the church probably should be evaluated on the principle that its primary purpose is to equip God's people for the work of ministry. And when we look at the work of Jesus and later Paul, we can see that they both did that. And in fact there are similarities in the way they went about it and the strategies that they used. The first is, they trained emerging leaders in the context of actually doing ministry. Jesus took his disciples with, them, with him. As he ministered, he trained them, he showed them what to do, he taught them, and then he sent them out. Paul, in the same way, took others with him as he travelled, and then set them to work. They both focused their team on that huge issue of kingdom extension around the world. If you look at the number of times Jesus taught about the kingdom, Paul was obsessed with it. Everywhere he went, he wanted to see the kingdom extended. They knew what they were about. It was kingdom, kingdom, kingdom for both of them. And then in their disciples, they pinpointed the issues of ungodly character. When character got in the way, they confronted it. And as we equip people, we need to be looking for those who are teachable, and who are open to us speaking into their lives. Particularly where they aspire to leadership. Because there's no such thing as leadership with accountability, without accountability. There's no such thing as the exercise of authority without being under it. And so those who are not teachable or who are not willing to be accountable, sadly, are counting themselves out of God's plan for them. Team was the context for community, for discipleship, and for relationship building. Jesus had his disciples. Paul worked with the elders in the churches and with others. But team is the biblical model that was used. And then they also both made downtime a priority so that they could reflect on their ministry experience. 
in different ways. Both of them took time to be alone, to reflect, and to spend time with the Father. We want to be a church whose individual members are equipped for their role of service within the church and the community. It's a value that is non-negotiable. The church is the centre of leadership training and the centre of the ongoing mission to the world. It's within the context of the local church, the visible expression of the body of Christ, that the most effective equipping takes place. For Christ's mission to flourish, for his kingdom to expand, as is told over all the earth, local churches, their leaders, have to give themselves over to equipping people and to leadership development. And that begins as we cultivate the right environment within the church. So what's the application? The application is quite simple. I've got it down on one line. It's not rocket science. And I think it comes comfortably on the back of everything that God has already been doing this morning. I want us just for a moment just to look at ourselves at our hearts I'm going to ask you one question who here this morning knows that God has put things on their heart that they have yet to see worked out good number now two applications come out of this the first is if you know that's true I think it will be good that we pray for you this morning if you don't know that God's put something on your heart And I think it's good we pray for you this morning. Because actually, Scripture tells us that he has designs and plans for us. The idea isn't that we join a jolly club and we just exist. Scripture teaches something different. And it says that he will be faithful to complete the good work that he has started in us. So I'm afraid, whether you said yes or no, I think you need prayer. 
Because if God has started a good work in you, and it hasn't come to fulfilment, then we could ask why. But actually we could just ask God to bless you and to continue that work. And unless he tells us why, let's not get hung up on that this morning. If on the other hand, you don't realise that God has got purposes for your life, then actually we need to be praying that you hear God on the issue. Is there anyone who disagrees with me on that? Or does that make sense? So I'm afraid you're in. Okay. The only, the only question is, are you in that camp or that camp? We hope you enjoyed this podcast. Don't forget to visit gatewaychurchdoncaster.org.uk 